to episode 231 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, and we are brought to you, as we are part of the Dorkening Network, by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Once you go deadly, you don't go back. I do want to try their couple of uh, new flavors, the uh, Day of the Dead blend and the uh, Scotland, Scotland Highland Grog, Zombie Highland Grog. That's what I want to try. I almost called it Glog. That's <laughs> mm, that's not it. It's Glog. It's Glog. <laughs> um, joining me, as always, is my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, <gasps> the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. Looking good, Ashes. Feeling good, Patsy. And today, what are we talking about? We're talking about characters that I'm really surprised we haven't discussed these characters yet because this movie is near and dear to your heart. Oh, yeah. And since meeting you, it's become a... It's a, uh, it's a holiday it's, tradition. Yeah, it's a it's an annual tradition that happens on a yearly basis. Yes, yeah, a year uh, an annual custom that's become a yearly tradition. Yes, that that that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to say. Uh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> it's talk- almost like I knew you. <laughs> we're talking about Louis Winthorpe the Third and Billy Ray Valentine from Trading Places, 1983, directed by John Landis, one of my favorite directors and a guy we don't talk about nearly enough. Uh, I mean, American I Werewolf in London. Forget thriller the catalog of films that this guy has that he's not only directed but produced, written, met a part of Animal House. Which I have autographed by John Landis because I met him at Rock and Shock the year before we met, 2008. Uh, and I got to ask him a question that had been on my mind forever because he directed the thriller video after uh, Michael seeing how awesome, uh, uh, what you call it, American Werewolf in London was, uh, which is why you see a lot of similar effects, you know, like the werewolf transformation and, and whatnot. Um, but. There's a scene at the beginning when they're in the movie theater, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're familiar with the, uh, with the, uh, the, um, the, 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 the music video. Scene. Yeah. And he walks out, and there's a guy sitting in the front of the audience that looks so much like John Landis. And I was like, I think that's John Landis. And for years, I always stuck to that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's John Landis. So when I got to meet him, the first thing I asked him was, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's you in the front of the audience in the thriller video, is it? He goes, you're wrong, but have some candy. And then we we took a picture. So I, I took some candy. John Landis gave me candy. Um, there's one thing that he does, and I just noticed this for the first time in Trading Places just watching it the other day. He has a trademark, uh, uh, See You Next Wednesday. It's a movie that like has never been made, but like he always references it in some way. Like in, uh, I forget, there's one film where it's, on a uh, on a movie theater marquee, is that his red apple cigarettes? Kind of, kind of. Uh, there's, um, you know, in the thriller video, it's like, what's this? Scrawled in blood. See you next Wednesday. Um, and I noticed for the first time in, uh, and it's not my fault. I never noticed it because it's uh, in one of Jamie Lee's topless scenes. But there's a poster for a movie, and it says, "See you next Wednesday." 
but I was always distracted by Jamie Lee's boobs. I mean, understandable. Completely and understandable. We watched this one time, and it was the first time I had watched it not on TV, and I was astonished that she got topless because I had seen the movie a thousand times, but I'd never seen it not on TV. And I was like, she takes her top off? <laughs> like, how have yes. I not been watching this like this forever? Why did I never own this? <laughs> But uh, you have an interesting uh, getting into character question for us today. So because this film is called Trading Places, and it's about two guys who, uh, let's say, accidentally trade places with each other. Not in a Freaky Friday sense, but in a... It was orchestrated well, we'll, after we'll, a we'll, chance meeting. We'll get into it during yeah. our discussion. Uh, but if you could trade places with anyone... For 24 hours, who would it be and why? Now, am I... I'm me, but I'm in... So that would mean they were in my body as well. Uh, well, let's just... Let, let's leave that out of it. Let's just say... So it's like you, a being John Malkovich, like, I go into their their head and I'm, like, in a comatose state. Like, like I'm, people think that you are this person for 24 hours. So, so you're not necessarily them. You don't, like encapsulate their features you don't you're not all of a sudden very svelte and no i have don't hair I, I don't know i don't like that i like me like being in a comatose state and my consciousness going into their body i think that's better that's very black mirror yeah i don't care that's very that's better but i only have 24 hours uh jeff bezos uh that would that's that's who i would would you just write yourself a bunch of checks? Well, no, I would uh, change all my company policies to actually pay people. I would mm. donate tons of money to different charities and make it, like, irreversible. And be like, no matter what I... Be like, you know, in the, the, the Abbott and Costello thing. Like, no matter what I say, do not open this door. Or even Young Frankenstein. No matter how much I beg, no matter how much I plead, do not change any of these things that I'm doing today. You know, mm. and then make all these changes because, you know... For every million dollars you make, X amount goes to these specific charities. Yeah, well, I would just start writing, you know, like this, you know, this goes here, this goes here. You know, instruct my, my lawyers, my, my finance team, like this is what I want to get done. I would then purchase, you know, some real estate. You know, obviously I would be committing massive fraud, but I would, you know, purchase real estate and write myself, you know, uh, several large checks, you know, you know, just be like, oh, yes, yes, he is lucky Amazon customer number nine million and six. So he wins $50 million. And for him, he wouldn't even notice. Right. Like that. That's pocket change. That's, that's like an extra $20 that he found while checking his pant pockets. for Right. You know, you know. and there's a there's a great. Uh, I think it was like a TikTok or something, but I'm sure it's on YouTube at this point, where a guy was illustrating Jeff Bezos's worth with grains of rice, and every grain of rice was a hundred thousand dollars. He has fifty-eight pounds of rice. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's insane. So, if you have fifty-eight pounds of rice at fifty million, let's see, that's you know, uh, five hundred grains of rice out of your fifty-eight pounds. That's fifty million bucks. That's how much money he has. Like, yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers. Like, I can't even fathom that amount of like I don't even think that much money is real. 
No, like, like I feel once like it gets get... to a point where it's just it's not even it's imaginary. Like it's not well, even it's, real anymore. It's like distance in space. It's like oh, it's eleven jillion miles. It's like what does that even mean? Like it's <clears throat> like Jupiter is three hundred fifty million miles away, and occasionally you can see it with the naked eye. I mean, it's a little dot, but you can see it. But it's like, what is 350 million miles? Like, what does that even mean? You know, like, it's, you know, I have a trillion dollars. Like, what, what, what is that? Yeah. Like, like you, you can't even, it's not like you can sit there and count it. No, like, you would literally, if you counted every dollar, like, it would take you longer than you would live. Like, we learned that, uh, if you were to count like all the, the the things in like in the Jurassic Park when he's talking about counting the the sequences and DNA, if you were to stare at screens like this eight hours a day, it would take two years just to read. So, if you were to put that in monetary terms, it would probably take him a thousand years. Like I haven't done the math out, but if there's two billion lines of code in in a, a DNA sequence, and it would take uh, two years. To read it, and he has hundreds of billions. So every every billion is a year. So it would take him hundreds of years to count his money mm-hmm. if he counted it for eight hours a day. Like he could, if he put everything into one dollar bills, he could do like the Scrooge McDuck thing. Mm. Like dive into the money, not coins, because you die because it's not a liquid. We learned that from. From Family Guy when Peter did that, uh, if you but you did you know it'd be like jumping into a leaf pile. We although it probably wouldn't be covering a large, uh, large pile of dog shit, which I unfortunately found out one time. I was like, we leaves, oh no! And it was about fifteen minutes before we were supposed to leave to go somewhere, and I was like. I have to change my clothes. My mom's like, why are you changing your clothes? You're not changing your clothes. Just go in the car. I'm like, I'm covered with dog shit. (laughs) And she acquiesced. Great story. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would do, and and that's who I would trade places with, and that is why. How about ye? Um, So a couple. Okay. So first off, I would want to trade places with Lady Gaga. Because she's Lady fucking Gaga. Yeah, live like, that life have, for one day. Right, to have access to that fantastic and fabulous wardrobe that's full of all of these, like, Alexander McQueen pieces and her shoe collection. I know, you don't know who that is. It's I know a, shoe. Yes, <laughs> shoe. That's a word I'm familiar <laughs> with. Shoe. Elizabeth Shoe. Um no, and her like fantastic, like you know, Jeffrey Campbell, Alexander McQueen shoe collection. You know, she just her closet, her accessories, everything. Like I would have a fucking field day just doing like a pretty woman like montage of you know mm-hmm. trying everything on and 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 you know you walk into the closet, end up in Narnia. Being her, yeah. Is there a lion, a witch, or a wardrobe? Um. Yeah, it was just and, and and like to live her life, obviously not in in COVID times, not quarantine times, but to live her life to party, like she's fucking Elton John's son, like that. She's his godmother. Like that's, that's nutty. Fucking crazy, right? Like, yeah. 
she lives this crazy and like but she's she's so humble which is why i love her like she doesn't really let anything go to her head and she's such a philanthropist she gives back in any possible way whether it's supporting other charities or her own that her mother runs the born this way foundation you know she does a lot for the lgbtq plus community Mm -hmm. and you know she's just such a fantastic person but i would love to be her for like the fun things i mean i watched five foot two the documentary about her you know i know what she goes through she and i have you know some similar struggles when it comes to chronic pain and chronic illness and stuff um you know and i know some of the you know she gets a little personal and stuff uh about just her personal relationships and you know it's not always a a happy thing you yeah. know, and I and I get that. So I, I wouldn't want to be her for for that part. You know, the fact that she has a hard time with friendships and relationships because of her success. You know, because of who she is. You know, a lot of times people just want to use her versus actually getting to know her. Mm. You know, so I, I wouldn't want to deal with like the heavy stuff like that. I would want to be her to be her to like perform to be able to. You know, just just be that talented and to have those, you know, be surrounded by such talented people at the same time and to be invited to these extravagant parties and be able to kind of soak Oscar in parties. Glamour, yeah, you know, parties. like I, I would love to be a Grammy Award winner, Oscar winner, Golden Globe winner for a day. Like that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And my second one is a little more fun than that i would want to be donald trump for a day you know i thought about that just so i could like and and here's why so i could sit there and i could be like i'm a big fraud bigly i'm huge fraud i have no idea what i'm doing i'm such an asshole i'm the stupidest person to ever walk this planet reverse every single thing right yeah i take everything back i'm a racist it was totally an act i have no clue what i'm I'm doing the worst person in the world yeah like it, it would my uh, hands are really small i would i would absolutely like hold a press conference i'm holding melania hostage basically you know like just just completely denounce everything that i you know he he stands for QAnon and, is stupid and to, ca- and to and to help you know progress the the transition between presidents like I'll leave way. now. Like but fuck it. I just I'm just gonna go away now. I totally lost. It was like the bigliest loss ever. Go <laughs> fefe. Yeah, I thought about doing that. Like you know, for the same philanthropic reasons. Here are my taxes. But like I feel like you know, not only would I want to to undo all the bullshit and say exactly what. You know, fifty-four percent of the population is thinking, but like I feel like it would be really cathartic after these four years to just be like, man. Yeah, basically. Oh man. I'm a big baby. Watch me suck my thumb. I'm wearing a diaper. <laughs> I don't even know how to pay taxes. 
I didn't even know taxes were a thing. I would uh, grant the request of uh, Francesca Fiorentini, who is uh, a frequent guest on the Damage Report, and she's a comedian, and she's fucking awesome because her political insight is also really good. But she's been saying for months that she is 100% sure that he wears a diaper, and she oh, keeps he, saying, like, hashtag show me the undies. I would, uh, I would grant Francesca her wish. And I'd be like, here's my, here's my depends, Francesca. <laughs> right. And people would be like, who are you talking to? She knows who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she knows. But yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, in a, in a, f- in a way to, to kind of, you know, have it be this, this therapeutic release of everything that has happened over the past four years. But also, like, just to just to say that it's the truth. Like, I unpardon everyone. You're going back to jail. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm really jealous of Obama. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge Mitch McConnell to an old man fight right now. <laughs> oh my god, bum fights with <laughs> Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. Senate fights, let's go. <laughs> Just like get like old, get like Lindsey boxing. Graham is the uh, the referee. Get get like uh, get like uh, you know like old timey boxing gear and like fly Air Force One to Mitch McConnell's house, and then just be like, "All right, Mitch, let's go." And we're like, Two men enter, one man leaves. I'm a turtle. <laughs> Uh, I'm just gonna retreat into my shell. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's my safe space. You can't get me in there. Sorry, I have to race a rabbit later. Uh, but I'm gonna win because I'm gonna disenfranchise this entire neighborhood through gerrymandering. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, who would you uh, want to <laughs> switch switch with, and why? Let us know at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're very interested to know your thoughts and uh, and your reasonings behind your thoughts. Or, you know, you can hit us up on the social medias On as the well. Facebooks. The tweeters. Yes. And to a lesser extent, the Instagrams. So uh, I think this is a good place to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be discussing. What are we going to be doing? Having a stroke. Uh, (laughs) When we come back, we're going to be discussing Louis Winthorpe III and Billy Ray Valentine. Not to be confused with Billy Ray Cyrus. No, different guys. Different different hairstyle. Yes. But we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary.
Greetings! We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, the bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons, I don't know, help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroidocubus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar podcast networks with new episodes every technical Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. absurd nightmare. I was poor and no one liked me. I know what you're thinking. You see Foggy and Beth? We can make it, baby! Me and you! Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy are trading places. Help! Help! Hey, I don't want your bag, man. Help! 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 Bet that that man could run our company as well as your young Woodthorpe. Are we talking about a wager, Randolph? Is there a problem, officer? Oh, Woodthorpe. I'm glad your parents are not alive to see this. What? What? No, what? Wait! Now this is totally preposterous. I'm not a thief. Here we are, William. Take off your clothes. You are making a career decision here. Take off your clothes. Did you hear what this man said to me? I have witnesses. This man is physically threatening me. Hey, Randy, Morty, this is nice. I like this. We are commodities brokers, William. Commodities are agricultural products, like wheat, which is used to make bread, pork bellies, which is used to make bacon, which you might find in a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. I'm considering going long on April wheat. What do you think, Valentine? Freeze, slimeball! Moi? Put that gun away at once, Winthorpe. You lost your mind? Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. They're not just getting rich. They're getting even. Do you have any better ideas? Yeah, you know, it occurs to me that the best way you hurt rich people is by turning them into poor people. Dan Aykroyd. <coughs> Eddie Murphy. <coughs> oh, <coughs> Ralph Bellamy. We've got to get Wilson and turn up the sale. Donna Michi. Randolph, this isn't Monopoly money we're playing with. Denim Elliott. What a scumbag. And Jamie Lee Curtis. By the way, food and rent, not the only things around here that cost money. You sleep on the couch. 
is. Some very funny business. South on in April of 142! And we are back. Uh, so that, of course, was the trailer for 1983's Trading Places, starring uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Denholm Elliott, uh, Eddie Murphy, and Dan Aykroyd, along with uh, uh, Ralph Bellamy and uh, Don Amici. I'm sorry, Academy Award winner Don Amici. He won for uh, Cocoon, I think. Your, although your, I might be your buddy has a uh, cameo in it as well. Which buddy? Mm. Oh, Frank Oz, yes, Yoda. Like, I mean, he worked a lot with those guys anyways, uh, which was always In cool. In a movie, I am. See your face? See my face? You can. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was He was good at that. And then uh, former uh, Senator Al Franken, also in this movie. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he still gets royalties from this film for his small bit as the baggage handler. Yes. And... Um, uh, imagine his surprise when he showed up to a party and somebody else was dressed as a baggage handler. I know, right? It's so embarrassing. Um, <clears throat> I remember watching this movie. Like I said, I watch it on TV like every year. You know, it's a Thanksgiving staple. I mean, it, this is one of those, again, and you can check out my article on uh, throwdownthursdaypodcast.com to what I, how I view Christmas movies. Because Christmas is not a genre, so basically you make up your own rules. But, I mean, this is between a Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's movie. I mean, technically it could have occurred at a different time, but, you know, they just made it. Uh, I think the, the, the time of year definitely adds into... It, it fits, especially yeah. for some of the scenes <clears throat> involved. I'm still really upset that Coleman, played by Denholm Elliott, throws away those delicious-looking crepes. Oh, it kills me every time. You're saying crepe under your breath. No, I'm not. Crepes. I'm a crepe. (laughs) I'm a weirdo. Um, So the premise of the film is basically uh, we we get to meet Lewis Winthorpe, played by Dan Aykroyd. The third. Lewis Winthorpe, the third. And he definitely talks with that, like, oh, yes, you know, the... Uh, the, the Muffy m- and I are going to the banquet this What's evening. his name? Uh, uh, From F- Futurama. Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. What, Mr. Howell? Mr. Howell. Thurston Howell. Yeah, Thurston Howell, this the third. something. Oh, it's, it's always the third. It's always the third. It's always the third. Thurston Howell, uh, yeah, he with talks like teddy him. bear. Uh, and, you know, he, that's how he talks. Like, he's got that... Um, and like yes, well, quiet, yes, indeed. It's mm. like a really bad American British accent. Yeah, it's like snooty and and stuffy and like you know when he sees his friends at the club, they're like, oh, we need a fourth for squash later. Are you in? And it's like, oh, no can do. Uh, I'm having dinner with Penelope. Okay, so your uppity voice sounds a little bit like Buffalo Bill, not going to lie. Well, I'm having dinner. I'm having a friend for <laughs> dinner. You great big fat person. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he's uh, he works for a stock exchange or a brokerage firm. You know, I don't I don't know stocks and stuff. But they, he lives in New York. 
He's a commodities trader. Oh, like okay. he works for a commodities trading. So company. he's he's a he's a, a broken guy. <laughs> yes, he's a he's a broken guy about to become a broke guy. Yes. So we one broke. It's the uh, it's the prequel to two broke girls. Yes, one broke guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Eddie Murphy, who is uh, panhandling, pretending to be. A uh, blind and legless Vietnam vet. Call me Agent Orange. <laughs> Agent Orange, that was my name. <laughs> he, because he gets confronted by a couple of cops. They're like, yeah, we've uh, had some complaints about people saying they've been harassed by a, a, a fake Vietnam vet who said he's blind and uh, crippled. They're like, oh, where were you stationed? And he just starts making shit up. He's like, yeah, I was in the Airborne Battalion, uh, you know, and... You know, like, and he starts like naming all these like random sounds that he thinks are Vietnamese places, and so they pick him up and kick his uh, his uh, little cart out from underneath of him, and he's like, "Oh my God, I can see! I have legs! Oh, it's a miracle! <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus!" Yeah. So this concept actually came uh, to writer Timothy Harris in the early 1980s. So apparently he often played tennis against two wealthy but frugal brothers who regularly engaged in a competitive rivalry and betting. Following one session, oh, to, to the chagrin of Harris, apparently Harris was just like completely appalled mm -hmm. by them. Following one se session, Harris returned home exasperated with the pair's conflict and concluded that they were, quote, awful people. The situation gave him the idea of two brothers betting over nature versus nurture in terms of human ability. Harris shared his idea with his writing partner, Herschel Weingrad, who liked the concept, and eventually that would become Trading Places, which the initial title for the film was Black and White. Good Which change. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Change. Changing that was good. There's a lot of racial dynamic stuff that goes on in this. But, you know, you have these two characters. You have Louis Winthrop III, played by Dan Aykroyd, and Billy Ray Valentine, played by Eddie Murphy. And fun fact, it was supposed to be Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. That, yeah. They couldn't get one of them due to, like, scheduling conflict or what have you. And they didn't want, um, I think they... They didn't want to break them up because they're fucking comedy gold. Right. And, you know, also you didn't want somebody thinking like, oh, well, who's this guy trying to be? I forget which one couldn't make but the commitment. Way, like, but either way, is... you don't want to be like, oh, who does this guy think he is? Gene Wilder playing opposite of Richard Pryor or, you know, vice versa. Because you, so, made, you made the point off air that this was Eddie Murphy's second film. Yeah. Yeah. So he had been, Shrek you know, being the first. <laughs> obviously. In the morning, <laughs> I'm making waffles. Um but obviously, you know, he had done SNL. People knew that he was funny. He definitely had the comedic chops to pull this type of performance off. Mm -hmm. um, and Dan Aykroyd, I mean, like, was there a film in the 80s that Dan Aykroyd wasn't in? Uh, a uh, aliens. Okay, I meant that, Terminator. like, facetiously. <laughs> he did a lot of stuff in the 80s, a lot of good stuff in the 80s. Ghostbusters. And apparently he puts this up there. With, oh, this is like, one of his better performances. Well, yeah, he. This is one of his favorite films that he was in. He puts it up there with like Ghostbusters and <clears> Blues <throat> Brothers as you know one of his favorite, like, yeah. films to be a part of. So, uh, Eddie Murphy, as he's walking away from the police, 
ends up crashing into, uh, accidentally, bumping into uh, Lewis Winthorpe, and he knocks his briefcase out of his hand, and he's like, "Oh, hey, I'm sorry. Here you go." And of course, Lewis is like, "Just don't kill me. Whatever you want. Like, don't kill me." They're playing two different stereo, like two opposite ends of two yes. different stereotypes right now. So you have Eddie Murphy playing the poor, we'll say underprivileged, for lack of better term. You came from a broken home, dude. Yeah, we was broke, so what? We wanted a jacuzzi, we had to fart in the tub. <laughs> you know? Uh, unrefined. Yeah. He's a he was a, a like a, a hustler. He was yeah. a, a guy who was streetwise. You know, he didn't have a job, but he was you know d- trying to scam people. He did what he had to. He knew what he knew and did what he had to do to get by. Right. And then you have Dan Aykroyd's character, Louis Winthorpe the Third, who comes from you know Silver Spoon generational Harvard. Right. And you know he. Pretty much had everything handed to him because of his name alone. He, he, he knew what hard like. He wasn't incompetent. Like he's not like a Jared Kushner or a Trump, where everything was given to him and he's just fucking. I mean, stupid. he had to work for it. He, he knew what he was doing. He's good, he was good at, at what at, he yeah, does. He was good at his job. However, he was conditioned to be. A that lot way. of doors were automatic. He was born on third base. Right. And and a lot of doors were open so it was to him. E- right. It was easy for him to score a home run. Because he had, yeah, he had everything kind of set up for him. It was like he had a lead blocker on his way to the end zone, and you know, it was like the Giants facing like a Pee Wee team, you know. But it, uh, <clears throat> you know, it it definitely highlights the. Um, social inequality that we still see 40 fucking years later. Right, but I, I think if you were to have two people who were a little closer in social class, the film wouldn't have had the same effect. No, but you could also, like this film could have come out a year ago and you wouldn't have to change Anything. Well, well, you would you would have to change a couple of things. Yeah, there is some there's some language. Well, well, and and one scene in particular, which is a hilarious scene, but um, you don't. We'll we'll get into it. But yeah, yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is like the plot. Oh yeah, the, like the, the you plot, could pretty some much of the dialogue. Do, it, you could do like the same a ninety five percent shot for shot remake right now. You know, and obviously there were some changes like, you know, the World Trade Center is is where the final scene takes place. Like, you know, you know, obviously, you know, they catch the train in the World Trade Center, you know, like obviously that isn't going to happen. Um, you know, but there's so much of it that's just like, you know, and the technology would be different. You know, they're not, you know, sitting around in a tube TV, you know, watching tube TVs. But yeah, th- this is a movie that could be made right now. It could have been made 15 years ago. It could have been made a year ago. It could be made a year from now, and it would be essentially the same, and you know, nobody would, would bat an eye at it. Um. <clears throat> so going back to what you were talking about, Billy Ray Valentine bumps into, accidentally bumps into 
Lewis, Winthorpe the third, and Lewis freaks out. Yeah, he, he overreacts. Immediately, he immediately apologized. Hey, here you go. Here's your here's your briefcase. He's like, oh, you know, this man's trying to steal from me. He's trying to don't kill me. me. Don't yes. kill me. You know, when he gets the police involved, which was completely unnecessary. Well, the police because, happened to be there anyway. Right, but I mean, but he could have he could have diffused the situation, and he didn't. Yeah, and instead he uh, he made things worse. Because he was uh, overreacting in, in his histrionics. Uh, and of course, in they, a typical well, like, conservative it, way, later on, it's like, oh, I'm so brave. You know? Right. And of course, they believed the cops who were of the cops, multiple colors and races. The cops believed him right because, over Billy Ray because who are we going to believe? And the, two of the cops where the cops like they could still see him from taking away his cart like he was only a couple hundred feet from them. Right. And it's funny because he had walked by the entrance to the club where everybody was hanging out where Lewis was getting the company payroll taken care of and a police car pulled out and so he's like, oh, shit, I'd better turn around and walk the other way. And as he does that, he crashes right into him. And, you know, even the doorman, who also was black, was, like, blowing his whistle, like, help me, help me get the cop. And, you know, Eddie Murphy didn't help him his case by, like, you know, freaking out himself because, you know, we know what it's like being a black man and having uh, cops, you know, you know, hone in on you. I mean, like, I don't know from experience because I'm not a black man, but you, you know what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> he grabs a briefcase and he runs. And, you know, the whole time Dan Aykroyd's like, that's him. Get him. Get him. Shoot him. Get him. Like, <laughs> it's it's nuts. And finally they catch him and six guys have their guns in his face. And he goes, is there a problem, officer? <laughs> See, his comedic timing is just perfect. I, you know, and it's, I like the fact that they chose these two guys because they had worked together on SNL, so they had, you know, they they knew each other, they were familiar. Like, the chemistry was definitely there between yes. the two characters, and then when you add Jamie Lee Curtis into the mix. Yeah, she she had already been in a bunch of stuff at this point. Well, I mean, fun fact. So we'll, we'll get into her character Ophelia in a moment because she definitely plays a big role mm -hmm. in the character evolution of Louis Winthorpe the Third. Yes. Um, they were hesitant to cast her because she was known as a scream queen at that point. This is her first non horror yeah, role because I believe she had done Halloween one and two and prom night. I think there was another one in there as well, <clears throat> um, but yes, the majority, like like pretty much all of her her acting credentials had been horror films at that point, and they didn't know if she had the range to be funny. And you know, we know that she does, and she can. Jamie Lee Curtis is one of those actors who can do pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah, she like she's brilliant, and she still is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen her do action. We've seen her do comedy. We've seen her do comedic action, like in True Lies. Oh, when she so good! When she dropped the Uzi down the stairs. Oh my God! Or the um, the the pole, like the stripper, like the this, the dance yeah. scene. That <laughs> it's like that, and the Salma Hayek snake dance are like two of my favorite scenes 
when it comes to like that type of thing because it's like that's not something you expect to see from Jamie Lee Curtis because like yeah you like you you watch her as you know uh, you know when she's younger it's like oh she's so cute she's so cute you know she's adorable you know but you don't think of her like in a like a, a sex symbol way and then you see this of course I didn't see it till I was you know almost thirty that you know she took her top off but it's like holy shit but because like I still. <clears throat> I didn't look at her that way, but like that scene in True Lies, which was 11 years later, and she looked better then than she did in 1983. I just, I love that scene because she's trying so hard and it's out of character for her character in the film yes. to do something like that. And she's trying so hard. And she falls and she, down. She, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, she's so awkward. Especially when and you consider it's... right before then. When she comes in, like, the, the dress that she had on with, like, the puffy sleeves and mm-hmm. everything, the way her hair was with her glasses. And, you know, it's that typical Hollywood, like, oh, you took off your glasses and put your hair down. Now, now you're super you're pretty. sexy. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's the whole she's all that thing. Uh, but, yeah, and anyways. Um, so, Eddie Murphy, Billy Ray Valentine, gets taken to, to jail. And Lewis Winthorpe the third is allowed to go about his day and praise himself. I as want to a, press full charges. He's so brave. He's so brave. I want you, Louis. Now. Yeah. Oh God. His fiance Penelope, who is your stereotypical. She uppity... should have been named Muffy. Right. <laughs> Mumsy wants to have a party for us on the on the on New Year's. Oh shoot, can't make it. Oh, that's when the crop report comes out. Well, just make them do it another day. And this is as they're taking their clothes off, getting ready to have sex. Oh, like, no, that, that's not sex. That's intercourse. They have intercourse. People like that don't have sex. They have intercourse. That, that's true. Like they're getting like that's their foreplay talking about like events of the social season. And that is when we we fornicated last night. <laughs> oh yes, indeed, 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 indeed. Oh, I've arrived. <laughs> and that's when we find out that uh, you know we we hear the conversation earlier between. Uh, it's brought up three or four times about nature versus nurture because Ralph Bellamy is reading this article about a geneticist who's getting uh, the Nobel Prize because he doesn't agree. He agrees that environment is the key to success while his brother, so it's Randolph and Mortimer Duke, uh, which just such douchey names. I just want to punch them based off their names alone. And they, uh, you know, Don Amici's character is... Uh, uh, Mortimer and uh, Ralph Bellamy is Randy and he equates it to breeding a, a, a racehorse it's all about breeding it's the genes you know you could put Valent- uh, you could put Winthorpe anywhere and he'd succeed it's in the genes and you know so they decide they're going to make a bet they're going to destroy Dan Aykroyd's Lewis Winthorpe and elevate and put uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's character right into uh, Lewis's place. Seamlessly. Yeah, just put him right in, like, just destroy his life, you know, make it seem like he's he's uh, a drug addict and 
uh, is a thief. Like he stole one hundred and fifty dollars. It's like I've got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the bank, and I've got like twelve limitless credit cards. Why would I steal one hundred and fifty dollars? Like that's probably the most unbelievable part of the entire film. Right. They they did their best to frame him to try to really sink him, and diminish his reputation amongst his peers they wanted to really just ruin his life he lost his job he lost his apartment he lost his friends so-called friends his fiance fiance. who was on the verge of of uh taking him back when we get to meet jamie lee but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Those men we, wanted to have sex with me. Because we have this fantastic scene with Eddie Murphy. And it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire film. It's when he's in the jail cell and he's showing off in front of his his friends. His, we'll say friends loosely. His acquaintances. The guys in the in the tank with him. Right. And we are we're going to play that in its entirety at, at you know, coming in from the next break because it's just under three minutes but it's one of the greatest scenes and it's if you are friends with me on facebook you've seen me post this uh many times throughout november it ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to thanksgiving i'm a karate man karate man rules on the inside eddie Eddie murphy's telling this story (laughs) about how he's a chain belt in kung fu and then proceeds to uh demonstrate the quart of blood technique you do that and a quart of blood falls out your enemy's body and he's sitting there and he's like, you know, regaling these guys with a tail. Like, oh, I beat up 20 cops. And, you know, the only way they beat me is because they use tear gas on me. Because there's two guys, huge, huge guys. And one of them yeah. just says, yeah, all the time. Um, he's like, when they brought you in here, you was crying like a pussy. And this friend goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he goes, that's because they use tear gas on me. They, they, that's what they're supposed to They use that on crowds. And then, you know, he's talking shit. And he's like, he goes, it's like, you, you're talking about putting a man in a hospital? How come we don't see no no marks on you? And he goes, because I'm a karate man. Karate man brews on the inside so that enemies can't see our weakness. We wouldn't know nothing about that because you a big Barry White looking motherfucker. And then they both stand up. And he goes... It ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. And it's just the greatest scene. And Eddie Murphy's still trying to be tough. It's like, you know who you're fucking with? In cell number four on the ninth floor. (laughs) And then just in the nick of time. Billy Ray Valentine. Yes, you made bail. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about how he's like he's like this big time pimp, and he can't he's get like, in yeah, touch my, with the, my, the 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 phone in my limo was broken. I can't call my bitches because the phone in my limousine is busted. And the and the guy sitting next to him goes, "Yeah, the phone in the limo is busted. What is you ignorant?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a great scene. So and like it's the Duke brothers who post Billy Ray's bail. And even walking out, walking out of jail, they, he sees a couple of guys, like a couple of cops trying to like struggle to get a guy in. He goes, man, I suggest using your nightstick, officer. <laughs> and as this is happening, Lewis is having that altercation with Penelope on the steps. Not altercation. No, not but- at the same time. And it's it's got to be a different jail, too. Because they couldn't both be in the same jail at the same time without meeting each other. That's this true. is New York, so there's there's there, more there's than several, one. Yes. There's several police stations. 
There's what twenty thousand police in New York. There's a it's a lot, but it's a big city. So, yes, you know, very big city. But yeah, like he, you know, this is almost going on simultaneously, and one of the Duke brothers' cronies, for lack of a better term, uh, paid uh, Jamie Lee, who is a prostitute in this film, Ophelia. Ophelia paid her to like you know. Kind of fuck with... Uh, oh, because they planted uh, heroin. PCP. It wasn't heroin. It was angel dust. PCP. And he kept making that distinction to everyone like that was going to make it better. And he almost got Penelope like... She's like, oh, you smell. Oh, like he's all fucked up. Like his clothes are gone. Like they beat the shit out of him. And she's like, oh, you're embarrassing me. How dare you? Like, oh, you smell terrible. What happened to your clothes? And she's just, like, berating him. Like, clearly she didn't love him. This was more or less a... Um, it's like a political marriage, like, like in Game of Thrones. business arrangement, <laughs> yes. yes. And she's like, you know, he's like, embarrassing you? Do you have any idea what I've been through? Because he's still talking like that. Although mm-hmm. I've noticed that as the story progressed, he didn't he dropped that affectation. Uh, but as the story progresses, Billy Ray, Billy Ray takes that on, starts to pick up a little bit. It's a Persian rug from Persia. <laughs> and you know they really start to fault these two characters. So you know. Lewis, or uh, we'll call him Louis from now on. He's Louis at this point. point. Louis, as Ophelia so lovingly calls him. Um, And I love her character, and I know we weren't going to technically talk about her character. We have to. We're focusing on Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, but you have to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis as Ophelia in this film. If you're not talking about a franchise, you have to talk about the surrounding characters. Because... You know, and and she is one of my favorite characters. Ophelia is great because she, you know, she's a prostitute. She she really gives no fucks, but she's smart. Yeah, like she is so smart. Like she what knows she? she could be doing something else. Well, what is she with say? her life? Well, she says you know, she's what twenty four. She goes, I'm twenty four, and the only thing I got going for me is this body, this face, and what I got up here. You know, and she starts talking. She's like, yeah, you know, I figure I've got a couple more years on my back. She goes, I have $42,000 in T-bills. Like, she goes, I don't have a pimp and I don't do drugs. Like, she's her own business manager. Like, she's... Right. Like, she's doing this because she saw an opportunity. I could slave over a job, a real job, for, you know, 40, 50 years and retire with pennies in my savings account or I can do this I can save up all of this money you know do this on my own terms save up all of this money and then live the life that I want to live right you know by 30 be retired right like you know she she's smart like she she it's not this is my only option it's, I chose this because I see something better for myself down the road. And this way she gets to choose her clientele, too. Right. She says she's, who, she says when. She's more like an escort than than a prostitute. Yeah. You know, but she's not but like But she takes a chance on Louis. She sees him. He's down on his luck. And, you know, she, she sees the... 
She the, sees potential in him. Well, well, I mean, there's there's that, but I think she just really feels bad for him. You know, it's a hooker with a heart of gold. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the the original hooker with a heart of gold. Move over, pretty woman. Um, you know, she she sees something in him. He has potential. She believes him. She believes his story because who would make something like that up? Yeah, and she sees the way he's treated. Like he goes to the bank and they're like, "Yeah, we we froze all your account." He's like, "I have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars," and like they freeze his accounts. They take all his credit cards and they're like, "Yeah, we're not going to do business with you." And she's like, "I can't just you know in in <clears throat> good nature like I can't just good conscience." That's a word, you know. I can't just turn you turn you out on the street. Well, like, what did I can't he tell her? Just, well, because he told her, he's like, you know, if you take care of me, well, not, I'll oh, pay not, you. Not even that. Like, you're partially responsible for getting me into this. I mean, which is His true. But fiance she, was about to take him back. When she went over, planted one on him. And, and was started like, oh, rubbing his dick. Fix. I'll do all those things that you like. Just a dime bag. And like, you know, he's freaking out. And she's, uh, uh, Penelope slaps him and storms off. And it's like. The, you know, which says something for her character. Oh yeah, because she's if you terrible. really if you really love someone, you can vouch for them. You know, like no, my my person would not do this. Right, like if a random hooker came up to me and started like saying that, you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> like I sell drugs. <laughs> No, if a random hooker came up and said that to me, that's a little more believable saying it to you. <laughs> that's true. I mean, like, I'm so broke I can't pay attention. You think I have money for hookers? <laughs> Who has money for that? I'm saving up for a PS5. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's... You know, she... She tells him all this stuff, you know, explaining who she is and, and what their arrangement is going to be because uh, she wants five figures to pay her back. She's like, you can stay here. You can sleep on the couch because, you know, rent and food aren't the only things that cost money. But she's saying this as she's completely disrobing in front of him, taking off her her accessories, her clothes, her wig. Yep. And, you know, I, I she's becoming completely, I don't want to say vulnerable, but open with him. She's revealing who she is. You know, which in Louis's world is, is almost weird. unheard of. Yeah, you know, I feel always... like I feel like everyone that he is surrounded by has this sort of front. Yeah, oh yeah, they absolutely do. This mask on, you know, mm-hmm. that they're, they're, they're this person that they are portraying who they aren't really, you know, deep down. And here she is just taking it all off, letting it all hang out in front of him. Literally and figuratively. You know, with we you know, no fucks given. And I think it's the first time somebody was completely honest with him. Yeah, and completely <laughs> real. And he gets to see the other side of life, like what things are like, like, you know, as opposed to living in his, his bubble where he has this Coleman. This is the his... first time he's been knocked on his ass. Right. He has Coleman who, you know, picks out his clothes and makes his breakfast and, and fucking shaves him. the first time he's actually had to do something like fend for himself. And he has no clue what to do. Like he's trying to. And she sees that. He's like this little fledgling trying to fly and he keeps falling and mm-hmm. she's not going to, you know, let him become prey to the wolves that are around him. Right. She sees that. 
that he is absolutely like he has connections and uh, abilities that she does not have because of their you know nothing other it's than just societal their birth. upbringing right it's how they they were born it, it like, goes back to the original bet nature versus nurture she could be him she could be Penelope. Well, she could be him more than Penelope because she wasn't just like a vapid. Right. And like, well, gold and that digger. says, you know, something about a lot of people. A lot of people have potential and could be more had they had the appropriate and proper doors open for them. Right. Like, you know, there's the. Uh, the, the I uh, know so many people who are so fucking talented. Mm hmm. You know, and then I see all of this stuff that we're surrounded by. We're inundated by crap. Mediocrity surrounds us and permeates society. Like very, very often. And let me very, very few, seldom, very seldom. That's the word. Seldom, seldom, seldomly does greatness permeate that wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know. It's a lot of little muscle, a whole lot of hustle, like uh, Fred said in Short Circuit 2. It's so easy to put out these McDonald's hamburgers entertainers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the same same people. You know, a dime a dozen, you're going to make me a quick buck, and then you're going to fade away. You're going to make me a quick buck. You know, it's... The one-hit wonders that, which don't get me wrong, some one-hit wonders are pretty freaking great, but you you know where I'm going. Well, it's not just that. It's you know sometimes people are given opportunities that shouldn't be given opportunities. Um, you know, we were having this discussion. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff going on about how uh, Johnny Depp is being fired from everything Warner Brothers is doing, uh, but. The the woman who abused him, his ex-wife Amber Heard, is not being replaced in the movies she's been cast in. Either reprimand them both or don't reprimand well, either Well, no, of them. reprimand her because he did nothing wrong. He was the victim. From what – we don't know – we don't know. There's a lot of hearsay. I'm just going by the audio recordings. We don't that I've know to. exactly what happened. Either reprimand them both for this. You know, it sounded like a really toxic relationship, anyways. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't have been together. They definitely shouldn't have gotten married. You know, um, several of Johnny Depp's exes have come forward, including Winona Ryder. You know, attesting to his character and saying he's not like this. But sometimes you're just with the wrong person. And it brings out this side of you that you didn't know that you had. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, if you're if you're going to punish one, punish the other in this situation. Right. She shouldn't be like Warner Brothers shouldn't be talking because about because it makes a, a farce of other women who are in this situation right. where the man is at fault. Right. Because and Warner Brothers shouldn't be offering her like, oh, let's do a solo movie with your character, knowing everything that we know. Not only are we not going to replace and, and, you, we're going to give you honesty, more. In all honesty, like people are just so over this at this point that I don't even want to support her. No. But but anyways, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about. But no, it's places. just kind of the it, the yes. track. But meanwhile, while Louis is trying to get his footing and Ophelia is nursing him back to health, literally because he gets sick. Yeah, he has a fever of like 104. And she's like, you're not doing anything. You're not going anywhere. You're going to lay in this bed until you feel better. And then she takes her top off and snuggles with him. Well, it's for the body heat because he had a fever. So she was trying to, you know, sweat it out of him. 
He already had all the blankets. That doesn't mean anything. He's definitely going to be sweating it out, though. Because, you know, topless Jamie Lee, snuggling with him. He's like, oh, my fever's not the only thing rising. Anyways. (laughs) In the meantime, Billy Ray has been given this incredible opportunity where he went from nobody to somebody overnight. Literally. Well, not even overnight, like in an afternoon. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden he has this grand apartment and a chauffeur and a butler and well, a job. Well, the butler job. is a chauffeur. Coleman's Coleman? his driver. Yeah. Well, still, you, you. He has his. He has somebody. My working own personal slave. Him. Right. Like he has somebody working for him. And, you know, he goes to his old stomping ground. He's flaunting his new suit. I got a limo outside, champagne for everyone. He runs into and the two like, guys. Oh, Billy Ray, you're looking great. Yeah, because he's throwing around $100 bills. Yeah, he runs into the two guys who confronted him while in the uh, in the hole, and then the, as like, they say. Your limousine is right outside, and he responds by going, yeah. <laughs> they go outside, and there it is. <laughs> there it is. Um, so at first this seems like a really great arrangement. He has no idea what the stipulations are and he kind of doesn't care. He invites everyone back to his apartment for a party. And that's when we see his mannerisms start to change. Haven't you people ever heard of coasters? You know, like this is a Persian rug from Persia. Persia. (laughs) (laughs) Who's been putting their cools out on my floor? You know, and he ends up kicking his friends or so-called friends is what he you know, admits to Coleman after, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kicking them out of the place because they were ruining it. And he was like, you know what? No, I have this nice thing now. I want to keep it nice. Yeah. Guy's about to throw up and he's like, bathroom's downstairs. And the guy runs upstairs. He's like, uh, no, I said downstairs. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, it's it's almost like this, you know, a title shift in a day. And he starts to speak a little different he starts to use he corrects himself yeah he all of a sudden cares about how he's presenting himself and his mannerisms and he doesn't speak with the same dialect or slang that he was once using the uh the dukes definitely talk down to him like this is bacon like you might find on a bacon lettuce and tomato sandwich when they were explaining the job yeah to come him, on like what commodities what, what a commodities were. broker is and he looks directly at the camera which is just the best he just looks right at it like is this guy fucking serious but at first, like, he was all for it. Like, hey, you okay, yeah, I'll be whoever you want me to be. I'll do whatever you want me to do if you're going to let me live this lifestyle. But he does sure. provide some valuable insight. Like, and, you know, it, it touches on what you were saying. You know, he was, they're like, oh, this is why you should sell this at this at this price. He goes, oh, my wife, you know, the guy's going to be worried that his, you know, my, my wife's not going to, f- my wife's not going to want to make love to me, you know, like, because he's, he's changing the way he's trying. But there's still a little bit of Billy Ray in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when uh, we see him later on in the bathroom. Um, but he's he knows what he's doing. He still has that, well, that because confidence. Because he has that, you know, there's something to be said for common sense. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for street smarts. Well, there's that saying, you can't hustle a hustler. Because you know, they try. Mortimer leaves his money clip on the ground and they take the elevator down. And there's 
fucking leather seats in the elevator so you don't have to, you know, stand for God a minute forbid and a half. you have to stand on an elevator. You know, who are these peasants standing in an elevator? Uh, and he runs downstairs and meets him. He's like, oh, here's your, here's your money clip. You know, it's all there. You can count it. It's all there. Because he knows what happened, you know, he... He doesn't know exactly what happened to, to Lewis, but he knows that he's being set up. He's not trying to grift them in any way. Right. And he knows, you know, because he's grifted so many people, he's looking at this like, oh, it's like, ooh, a money clip with, you know, probably a thousand dollars in it. This is probably a test. It's like, ooh, this is great. Nope, nope. That guy doesn't like me. And it's probably, you know, I, I also see it as a, a conscience shift no i don't think it's a conscience shift it's he's looking out for himself he knows like that his he inner this, jiminy cricket is like no. no i don't think you know well i mean because he's been given so much stuff he doesn't need that anymore it's not only that it's he he i think he, i i mean that might be what it is i just disagree i think he looks at it and he's like they're trying to set me up because you know I tried to give the guy back the company payroll, and they had me put into jail, and then they bailed me out and gave me all this stuff. Something's going on, because he's, he's street smart. He knows mm-hmm. that something's going on, and he's he doesn't know what, but you know it does cloud him a little bit, and we find that out with uh, Lewis later on. And what ends up happening is the two of them meet and when they meet it is after eddie murphy's character overhears the two brothers in the bathroom no before then before then because he came in dressed as santa and he was stealing all the food at the oh, party he put the salmon in his santa suit <laughs> i would steal the salmon and then too. he ate it yeah he pulled the salmon on the tea no he was on a bus he ate salmon on public transportation. With like he pulled it through his beard instead of pulling the beard to the side, because he tried to uh, set he, up Eddie Murphy. I want to know where he got all the money for drugs, because he had like all of those pills. lots of drugs, and he's like, oh, marijuana cigarettes, uh, yellow ones, red ones, and Eddie Murphy's throwing it all away. And again, we get to see some of the comedic timing. He says, "That's it. I'm calling security," and uh, he pulls out a, a piece of. Uh, he thinks he's pulling out a gun, Dan Aykroyd, and he actually pulls out a piece of roast beef and quickly switches it as Eddie Murphy is like, hello, security, and he pulls the gun. See, he's like, Merry Christmas. It bothers me that he didn't line his pockets with Ziploc bags. Because he was stuffing his pockets with like all kinds of like fancy buffet items. And not just like, you know, rolls and pastries and stuff that could easily store in he a pocket. He took like eight pounds of salmon. Yeah. Like one long salmon steak, uh, which is smart. You know, you go for the high high ticket items if you're going to stuff them in your Santa suit. But he he tries to uh, you know, and the whole time Eddie Murphy's like, oh yeah, you can't be easy on people like this. And they're like, yeah, but he's lost everything. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. It's like, yeah, but you can't be easy on like completely reversing his own role. And like as he's throwing all the drugs away that. You know, they planted on, or Dan Eckert tried to plant on him. He takes a joint and puts it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And then in one of the funniest scenes of the movie, he goes into the bathroom and he's sit, standing in, on one of the toilets. Oh, my God. And he's, he's blowing the, the smoke into the, uh, into the vent. But then the Duke Brothers comes in. So he's like, oh, shit, I got to hide this. And he just, like, 
pops the lit joint in his mouth, and you see him just like because <laughs> it's on fire. It's lit. Immediately try to spit it out. And he's he's got like, his hand over yeah. his mouth, like trying not to scream. <laughs> and then we find out that the Dukes, uh, they're very racist. Mm. Uh, when they talk about who you know should should Billy Ray be running the company, and we find out the extent of the bet after seeing the 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 uh, the depths that Lewis Winthorpe the third has sunk to. Uh, you know, the, pays up. The depression that he has hit. He is suicide. He tries to. He tries kill to himself. kill himself. He puts a gun to his head and pulls the trigger, and nothing happens. Uh, and then he takes a whole bunch of pills, but they they pay off the bet. Randolph won the bet, and so Mortimer pays him one dollar. Ruined that man's life, and then they're planning on doing it to Billy Ray, and he hears about this, so he tries to chase uh, because Lewis God down. forbid. They have a black man run the company. Yeah, well, they used a different word. We're not. Yeah, no, we yeah. don't use that no. word, but they used a different no. word. Um, yes, but God forbid they have somebody like that run the company. Somebody who, you know, and he clearly has proven himself to be worthy. Yeah, he did a great job and he saved them like hundreds of thousands of dollars on one of the, on that one thing. And, where he's talking you know, about ultimately the, it's all about money because it's, a you know, it, it's all capitalism. Yeah, they don't give a shit about anything. Like you know, all they it's, care it's about Wall is Street. It's the money. all capitalism, exactly. So Billy Ray overhears them and realizes not only did they ruin this man's, you know, Louis's life. They're about to ruin his. Right, and and turn him right back on the street, or worse. Yeah. Maybe they're gonna have him arrested. Maybe or killed. Right. You know, like God only knows what's going to happen to him, and he runs after. He runs into. Louis, he's, he's, cha- he's looking yeah. for him. Yeah. He's trying he, to find he, him. And, and chasing him down as Louis leaving the party. He is fucking hammered at this point. And uh, Louis, not they decide that they need to team up. Well, first he follows him all the way to Ophelia's apartment, mm-hmm. and they break the bathroom door down after he's in the tub in the full Santa suit and he drops the bottle full of pills indicating that he had just taken a bunch of them himself. And so they get him back to the original apartment. So all four of them are there. So it's, you know, Lewis and, and Billy Ray and Ophelia and Coleman. And Lewis wakes up in his bed and he goes, oh, it was all a dream. He goes, oh, Coleman, I had the worst dream. I was poor and no one liked me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he starts going on and on, and like the doctor that w- had made a house call. So you know, give you an idea of the privilege he has. The doctor that made a house call uh, was like, "Yeah, just make sure he doesn't have any excitement." He sees Eddie Murphy, and he leaps out of the bed and starts strangling mm-hmm. him. And Eddie Murphy's trying to tell him it was the Dukes, and both Ophelia and Coleman pull him off. Coleman knew about this because they had called him the night that he was throwing away the delicious crepes. And they're like, Crips. this is what we're doing. Uh, and he's like, Crips. well, you know, it's your house and I do work for you. So, And he hung, hang up the phone. And he's like, oh, scumbags. But he corroborates the story. He goes, yep, it's true. This is what happened. And then everything starts falling into place. You know, they see this guy, Clarence Beeks, who Eddie Murphy was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's got a payroll check for ten grand, And, you know, 
prior to that, uh, Dan Aykroyd was like, who is this guy Clarence Beeks? Why are we paying him $50,000? You know, it's because they were trying to steal the crop report for the orange juice market so they could corner the orange juice market and become even wealthier. Their house was massive. Like, it looked like Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, and it might have been the same building in New York. Right. They were trying to commit fraud, which is not okay. Insider trading. Yes. And there's a scene where they're in the club, and they're like, oh, like, here's this guy that's been working here for years. Like, don't think I forgot your Christmas bonus. And he hands him a $5 bill. He goes, $5. Maybe I'll go to the movies. By, by myself. myself. And then Mortimer looks at him and goes, hey, half of that's from me. And he's like, thank you, Mr. Mortimer. And it's like, oh, these guys are such decrepit pricks. Now, I will like to say. To have all of his money and not be able to. It, it, it's it's, it's the, the Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Bezos thing. thing. Like, you can't possibly spend all this, but you just want to accumulate more and more and more. But there's what are you spending it on? Uh, there is a scene, uh, even though I, it's not, I don't know if it's technically canon, uh, where we do see Randolph and Mortimer living on the streets, and they are given money by Eddie Murphy, except it's coming to America, Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. and he gives them some money, and uh, Ralph Bellamy looks at Don Amici and goes, Mortimer. Went back, or something, something along those lines. They do reprise, yeah. They do reprise their roles. Like in they're Coming playing to the America. same characters, yes. even though Eddie Murphy is a different character. Yes. Um, but I just thought that was a fun little thing because the rest of the movie revolves around them doing their own experiment. Yes. So they uh, they decide to make their own bet because Lewis wants to go around shooting people. And Eddie Murphy has to explain to him, he's like, you can't, you can't, uh... You can't do that. You can't just go around kneecapping people because they pissed you off. And why not? It's called assault with a deadly weapon. You get 20 to life for that. So, they come up a plan, with a plan, with Louise... While they're doing this, while they're sitting in the living room watching TV, Jamie Lee's eating a salad, and, uh, Louie is cleaning his guns... Clarence Beeks shows up on TV and Jamie Lee's like, Louie, that's the guy who paid me to talk dirty to you. And they're like, oh, yeah, head of whatever security, Clarence Beeks. And they both stand up like Clarence Beeks. And like, they all start to realize. Everything's starting to come together. Even Everything. Coleman. Yeah, like the, the light bulb is on. There's someone home and they're all starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And with Billy Ray's street smarts and Louis's financial acumen. Right. You know, his knowledge of the... And the backing. And the, yes. Of and, the, the and, monetary backing of both Coleman and Ophelia. So what happens is in probably my... Wait, I, I do I do just want to talk about Coleman's line at this point. Okay. Because they're like they're like, they're gonna try to corn, corner the orange juice market. And they're like and Jamie Lee stands up like, unless someone stops them and Coleman's sitting there with a tray of eggnog goes, Or oh, beats them to it and they all look at him like, huh? And he's like, Eggnog 
Like, he's so pissed because he's had to be part, like, he cared about Lewis. He did. Like, And he I, cared I feel, about Billy Ray. He's a honestly, good person. So what happens in those situations is, you know, the butler is usually the family butler. So he probably knew Louis from childhood. childhood and grew with him and grew to love him and to take care of him as if he was his own. Thanks, Alfred. You know, kind of, you know, including all of his faults. Yes. And he's seeing, you know, Coleman is seeing this change within Louis, this good change. Louis is humbled. Louis is more aware of his surroundings, what's mm-hmm. happening with the world. Billy Ray has changed at this point. Yes. Billy Ray is more aware of his surroundings and what's happening in the world. Yeah, Billy he's... Ray knows what it's like to have class and have money, and he likes that. They both got to see how the other side lives. Exactly. And it's kind of like a Prince it, and the Pauper type yeah, thing. Yeah, and it gave them a much greater appreciation for what It gave them perspective. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're in one place for your entire life you have no idea i mean you can it's all hearsay as to what how how the other side lives but until you've been on that side right you really don't know so by them trading places ah that's the name of the movie oh you think they did that on purpose i think they did oh man um they got to see how the other side lived and gain perspective that they didn't have before, mm-hmm. thus making them more powerful. So you were I, before I interrupted, you were about to talk about one of your favorite scenes. So one of my favorite scenes is they decide, uh, well, they come to the conclusion that they need to figure out where Beaks is going to be with those orange crop reports. Yes. They need to cut him off, pretty much cut it off at the source. And, you know, prevent anything else from happening. Yes. So they have this alternative briefcase with these false reports in it. And they said, okay, you know what? He's going to be on this train heading in this direction. Because Eddie Murphy uh, spied on the, the, the phone calls. He was listening in on all the phone calls that right. were coming in and out. So they figured out where he was going to be what train station at what time to deliver these crop reports and this fun fact was the whole meeting that he was going that that uh dan Aykroyd's character was going to have to miss at the beginning of the the film you know like oh mumsy's party and yeah, he's like he well was, i can't he was gonna like, go to this right so it kind of comes full circle like this is the thing that he's still going to mm-hmm. um but this time fuck mumsy's party yeah, because we didn't touch on this, but Penelope shortly, ran off with Todd. Todd, who is like definitely a rival. The right, yes. Uh, like within a couple of days. Yes. Well, I'll just have to have Todd take me. And she's like, "Oh, just kidding!" Like talking about you know how we couldn't make the party, and she was going to have Todd go with him. Again, as they're undressing, and she runs off to Todd because he came in and was like, "You know, I would like you know if you guys could help me out with a loan and." They're like, oh, go yeah, fuck yourself. He goes yourself. to the country club where all of his buddies and his former fiance, fiance. is, is uh, you know, they're, they're hanging out. They're playing tennis or have just played tennis. Squash. Excuse me, squash, whatever. Racquetball, badminton. Oh, hi, Eli. 
<laughs> ping pong. I bet on Highline, um, the Cayman Islands. But anyways, you know, they're having a a grand old time and he that's where he shows up, you know, asking them if they could spare you know, trying spare to look some as cash, good as he can. Right. You know, using these odd clothes that men had left behind at Ophelia's place. Yeah, the clothes were there in an armoire when she moved in. Yeah, she just never got rid of them. Yeah. So, you know, she's like, help yourself. So, you know, he put together the best outfit that he possibly could. Shows up to this country club that, you know, he was a member at. Showing great humility at the at, You know, at a- attempting to reach out to his so-called friends and fiance for help. And they snubbed him. They looked the other way. They how could you embarrass us like this? You know, after they after they all do this, like they look at him like, ugh, like he's something they scraped off their shoe. You know, after they all do this whole like sorority, what's the fraternity? Fraternity. <laughs> oh, the fucking song. The song. The fraternity song. Yeah. Ugh, fuck oh. Oh God. Um. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, she a hoe. <laughs> Fun fact: Todd was also Tom. a guest at the uh, dinner party at the beginning of Hannibal. Uh, the or not? I'm sorry, Red Dragon. Did he get eaten? Uh, no, but he ate Benjamin Raspail. <gasps> he the floutist. ate. Oh, the yeah. really the, the, the flat va- floutist. The floutist, yes. The, the flattest. Yes. <laughs> I'm afraid if I tell you what it is, you won't even try it. Oh, is it squash? <laughs> so, jumping back to this great scene. Uh, they the just, scene on the train? The scene on the train. <laughs> so, they're like, okay, well, you know, in order to not get caught, we need to come up with alternative identities. Costumes. Costumes, yes. <laughs> and so Eddie Murphy has his costume. Yes, and he is an exchange student from Cameroon. Exchange to Merry New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. This country, we say Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, he's so great in exchange this. student from Cameroon. And then in walks, it's Coleman next, who's pretending to be this priest. Irish priest. Irish priest character. And then in walks Ophelia, who's Inga from Sweden. But you're wearing leather hosen. Yeah, from yeah, Sweden. Yeah, for sure, from Sweden. <laughs> so apparently so, she couldn't do a, a German she was accent. Supposed to, no, she was supposed Austria. to be from Austria. But, she, but Jamie Lee Curtis is apparently as good as accents as, as I am. And she couldn't do an Austrian accent. No, I'm from Sweden. So, but she could do Swedish. So they're like, you know what? We're just going to go with it. So, yeah, I'm from Sweden. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, they're like, yeah, you're like, oh. But, but I mean, like, she's trying to diffuse the situation, kind of get Beeks's mind off of it because they're on the train. They're in this train car. And, you know, she's just trying to make the best of it. Please so to help me with my rucksack. <laughs> she's like shoving her tits in his face like, yeah, yeah sure. Speed and while they're doing that, they're switching the briefcase out. Yes. And then in walks. This is my favorite part. And not yet. So not bad. yet. They switch the briefcase. Yes. And Eddie Murphy goes in the hallway and like sees the two baggage handlers and starts like saying nonsensical gibberish <laughs> stuff. And they're like. Welcome. 
Oh, and, and there's a gorilla. Like that's all. You, and jo- a gorilla's involved. Jim Belushi is the gorilla. Well, but, but there's a real gorilla. Oh yeah, there's also a real gorilla. There's a in real the back. gorilla. Like it's just it's it's weird, but it's fun. And when you see it, it makes sense. So, anyways, Dan Aykroyd walks in. In dreadlocks and blackface. In blackface, which is so not blackface is not okay. It's me, Lionel it's Joseph. So, it's me, Lionel Joseph. Lionel! <laughs> Exchange like, student from Cameroon. No, no, like, they, they knew each other from a the... Boogada, 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 oh, my God, it was <laughs> insane. Him and Eddie Murphy going back and forth like they're old friends. We had and big fun is... in the pavilion. <laughs> Like this is this is why this film could not be remade today. Yeah, that scene would have to be changed. It's so wrong. It's so it's it's not okay. It is not okay. But it is so funny. Oh my god. And I just I There's I, also a lot of homophobic stuff. I mean there's there mm, there's that too. It's not perfect, but it's so oh it's so funny. Yeah, and like there's a there's a a, a club that's on the train. It's an Amtrak train. Well, because it's it's New Year's it's Eve. It's New Year's Eve. And There's a club that's on up. there. They're having a big New Year's oh, costume party, and Jim Belushi is a gorilla. Like I'm there's a, gorilla. a there's a part where like he's yelling at somebody. He's like, "Monkey, I'm a gorilla, you clown!" And the guy is a clown. Um, but Beaks eventually catches on to them, and you know, and or anybody tries any funny stuff and. The whore loses a kidney, you know, and so he's got him at gunpoint and, you know, he's like, ah, get out of the way, you know, party's over. And, you know, Belushi's like, Free- party's over? It's only 10 o'clock, you dummy! And, like, he's, he follows him into the back because he's getting ready to shoot everybody. And he's standing, uh, Beeks is standing in front of the gorilla cage and ends up, like, clubbing Belushi and knocking him out. And the gorilla sees this as he's assaulting another gorilla and clubs him and knocks him out. And so they duct tape his his mouth and put the gorilla suit on him and put him in the cage with the gorilla. And Steel from Day of the Dead uh, is like, he goes, oh, what's the big difference? Like, there's one gorilla, two gorillas. Besides, look at him. They're in love. <laughs> Because he's trying, at one point, he's trying to signal to Al Franken that he's, like, he's wearing a mask and, like, it's stuck on his head. And they're just, like, mimicking his movements. Like, mm-hmm. oh, look at him. He looks almost human. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. So, anyways, as a result of all of this just shenaniganizing, they're able to obtain the actual crop reports and then the fake Crop reports are just because they meet the Dukes in the uh, prearranged place, the orange orange section of the parking garage, mm-hmm. and they take the money, and they use that money as well yes. in their scheme. So they have, I would say, over a hundred thousand dollars because Ophelia's forty two thousand. Coleman's life savings that he doesn't say how much it is. But we're assuming it's, it's a decent amount. Right. So so over $100,000. Duke brothers have this fake crop report that they are basing their bidding And they've on. invested everything they've got. Yes. 
because they're trying to and, and this is where 340 million dollars I don't understand the stock market I understand a lot of things I don't understand the stock market I don't get it I either. don't understand trading I don't understand I mean I know a little bit of it but you know how stocks work and how all of that I just I just don't I don't get it. I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend to know. You know who else didn't pretend to know? Eddie Murphy. He had no fucking clue what he was doing in that scene. He just followed the script. He had no idea what was going on. It was just mass chaos. And he was just like, I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. So the Duke brothers are trying to corner the market on frozen concentrate orange juice. Yes, and the crop report is going to be read by the Secretary of Agriculture in the middle of trading. So, like, there's a bunch of trading that's going on, and they've instructed their guy, Wilson, and... So, IMDB, in the trivia section, if you scroll through, they somebody took the time to explain everything. Explain the whole buy low, sell high, what uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd's characters were doing towards the beginning, and then when everyone switched their tune, what they were doing towards the end, and it's it's a lengthy explanation. And to be honest with you, I got bored reading it. Yes. Like, kudos to that person for trying to explain it. And I, I highly recommend if you are absolutely that interested in knowing the the ins and outs of exactly what happened during that section, during that portion, um, to read, go, go to IMDb, look up the trivia for Trading Places 1983, and, and, and read that. It's a really, you know... F- for me, I just reacted to it like Fry when the professor was trying to explain something. It was like, yep, magic, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. You know, like I started reading it and I was like, wow, this person seems to really know their stuff. And then I just got bored. And I oh, started commodities. thinking Ugh. of like all of the other things that I could be doing with my time. Like I could be drinking wine right now. I could go to the bathroom right now. I could, you know, feed my cat. I could, you know take over the world like there were so many other things i could be doing Mm -hmm. so um but anyways kudos to that person for really mapping it out and attempting to explain things in explainable terms to the average person what exactly happened in that scene because it happens so quickly first they're like sell 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 and they're selling them at so long story short they buy all these shares at a, they sell them first. They see, yeah. So they they sell. they they sell them at the higher price because they think that the orange juice crops are going to be in shambles that year. Like the, you know the the orange juice crops are not good. There's going to be a shortage of well, just the orange, constant, just the orange crop. The the, the orange, orange juice, juice crops. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like the those orange juice. That well, grows it's like on those trees. old Tropicana commercials where the guy would walk by and like pull a jug of juice off a tree. Well, you know, or or when they would just stick a straw in an orange. That's how it works, right? Yes. You just crack it open and there's juice inside, like a coconut. Yeah. Um. 
anyways. Before now, this was the only way to get juice from an orange. <laughs> I'm smart. Uh, S-M-R-T. But anyways, the fake crop reports make it look like they're going to, there's there's going to be this orange shortage. So they start out our our heroes of this film start out by selling their shares. Selling them high and and everything just keeps to be it's like a supply and demand thing so as more people try to buy the shares it goes up price in goes price. Up and up, yep. And then the actual crop reports are released by the Secretary of Agriculture to the public, and they realize that it's going to be a bountiful harvest this year. Yep. The harsh winter has apparently not affected the crop, and then everyone freaks out. And, and tries the Dukes to are losing their mind because they're like, why are, Ra- why are Winthorpe and Valentine here? try to sell the shares that they just purchased and in the process of selling their shares the shares are diminishing in price they went from like a dollar seven to like a dollar forty two dollar forty to like 29 cents 29 i was either 29 or 27 yes and so winthorpe and valentine are purchasing back these Shares that they sold at a dollar forty-two, they're purchasing them back for twenty-nine cents. And as a, you know, in process, they are cornering. They made so much money, hundreds of millions of dollars. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just assume because I don't know, but I'm gonna assume. You know, the Dukes put everything they had, which was three hundred forty-two million dollars, into. Correct. Into that, and they lost it all. They did, yes. They owed more than what they had put in. What, yeah, because their assets. They, because they purchased high. Well, and the fact that they sold low. Most of their assets were in stock. They didn't have the cash. So all of their assets, their thusly, home, were liquidated. Their home, their cars, the they seats on the exchange. everything. Yeah. And we get to see exactly how much they even care for each other because Randolph has a heart attack, and they're like, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, Mortimer, your brother. Fuck him. Turn these machines back on." Like, and everything happens in a matter of seconds. It's it's so. It's quick. like a five minute. So scene. quick, and apparently during that scene, so they had tried to film during the week during normal stock exchange times and it was just it was chaos they they they, they couldn't get the footage that they needed so they had some of the uh stock exchange employees along with extras that they had hired came back on the weekend to reshoot those shots and even that looked chaotic like but i'm because they they, they shot at the actual location like they shot at the world trade center like they were there Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, they wanted to recreate it. So they asked people, you know, and I'm sure there was. Yeah, because he lived in Philadelphia. Craft services and all of that other fun stuff. Um, you know, for these these extras, they asked people to come in and to, to make it look real, to make it look authentic for the time. And I know the, the, the stock exchange has, has changed. And apparently, fun fact, 
In 2010, as part of the Wall Street Transparency and Accountability Act, which was to regulate financial markets, a rule was included which barred anyone from using secret inside information to corner markets, similar to what the Duke brothers tried to do in this movie. Since the movie inspired this rule, it has since become known as the Eddie Murphy rule. Very nice. That I did not know. I had no idea. That's pretty cool, though. Because you can get arrested for insider trading. Martha Stewart went to prison. She did. And now she's friends with Snoop Dogg. And that's why it's always funny when you see the two of them together, and it's like, uh, of the two of them. One of them went to prison. (laughs) One of them is a convicted felon, and it's not who you think. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they. I don't know how much they made, because I don't know how this, but millions. Enough, enough for both of them to live comfortably. All four of them and, to live comfortably. And, you know, what was crazy is that um, it was all over a bet. We, they, Lewis said we couldn't get rich and put you all in the poorhouse at the same time. I lost. Here you go. One dollar. <laughs> How could you do this to us after everything we did to we did for you? Exactly. That's what that's what Mortimer says to him. Uh, so they lost everything, their house, their home, their house, their home, their house, their servants, their everything, everything that they had. Everything. This, this they were living on the street. that they once knew as an elderly gentleman. They, they, yeah, they were in their 70s. You know, they didn't have any more. One of them was being sent to the hospital with a heart attack. Yep. Where's Beaks? Where the hell is Beaks? And then we cut to the scene of Beaks in the gorilla cage with the other gorilla. Uh, and fun fact uh, about Steel, the the guy, the gentleman who played, uh, and I'm l- forgetting his name completely, which is uh, I have to look it up real quick because he is uh, related to our good friend Leo. Really, he was at Leo's wedding. He is uh, part of his his wife's uh, wife's family, um, which I learned. Um, we actually got to interview him uh he's a super nice guy um i don't know it's not the right i'm i'm just trying to stall here but this obviously came out before before uh before dawn of the dead uh day of the dead um uh gary gary howard clark that's the the actor's Mm -hmm. name and I've interviewed he's a super nice guy like so nice like super cool uh, but yeah he's uh, one of and Leo's. who did he play in this film was he, he was the other, other baggage handler no 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 guy? no. he was the guy at the end of the uh, of the film when they see the two gorillas like two gorillas you know one gorilla two gorillas who cares you know besides they're in love mm, <laughs> that's a really good line well, what I love about the ending of this film is Billy Ray Valentine and Louie, they could have cut their losses, shaken hands at the end, and went their separate ways. But they formed a friendship throughout all of this. Yeah, and we see... They all did. We get to see them at the end. We get to see uh, they're on a very tropical location. Louie uh, Louis and Ophelia are on a, a, a yacht, a little a little boat there. Um, Eddie is apparently wearing a sweater at the beach with a speedo, like because that's what you do. Uh, it was the eighties? It was a crazy time. He's, he's got a nice lady friend, and 
He's trying to figure out what they're going to do for lunch. Lob- like lobster or crack crab? He's like, hey, Coleman, lobster or the crack crab? And Coleman turns to this uh, very young island girl. And she's like, can't we have both? He's like, why not? You know Coleman's banging her. Uh, and he yeah, turns. Which, uh, good for Coleman. Yeah, she's like a third his age. Uh, turns over to Dimitri, who is their butler. Mm-hmm. There's lobster and crack crab for everyone. They're all drinking champagne. And we get to see uh, a nice uh, 180 from the beginning of the, the, the film. Because when uh, we get to meet Louis at the club, he and Todd is like, looking good, Louis. Feeling good, Todd. We get to see that at the end. Looking good, Louis. Feeling good, Billy Ray. It, looking good, Billy Ray. Feeling good, Lewis. Oh, see, I always. Why don't do you drink th- some more of that whiskey, sweetie? I should. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I I always get that wrong, but at least half the time. But what's fantastic <laughs> is you know they all could have cut their losses and gone their separate way at the end, and they all would have had it made. You know, Ophelia and Coleman got their investment back and then some. Mm-hmm. You know, and. They they all formed a friendship. When you go through like Louis, events like, like, like and, that, Louis Winthorpe the Third is now Louis, and he's with Ophelia, and they're perfect together. Mm-hmm. They're smart, they're savvy, and they actually like each other for the right reason. They have reasons. a diverse stock portfolio, uh, brimming <laughs> with frozen orange juice. But but they like each other for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they she, went through shit. Right. And she cared for him when he was down on his luck. She saw him at his worst. She saw him at his best. And she stuck with him the whole time. Right. And he could have been like, you know what? I'm going to go try to get Penelope back. And he was like, you know what? This, this this woman right here, like she's a quality like like this. This is who I need. Mm-hmm. I need I need a ride or die. I need someone who is going to stay by my side regardless if i could i could lose all of this tomorrow and you know what she would still be there because she's seen me at rock bottom right like and that's love like that's fantastic Mm -hmm. and you know she she's real with him which is something penelope could never be because she didn't know how to be real right again it was like a a a political marriage like you would see in a a type of game of thrones like i'm obsessed with the crown and I'm watching the most recent season right now, and as Patsy puts on a tiara, yes, mm, quite yes, indubitably, Queen Elizabeth. Um, yes, Queen. Yeah, yes, yes, Queen. Um, you know, a lot of their marriages are arranged. Like it's 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 so so scandalous to further um, the political power. Well, really, like it is, and it's it's crazy and. You know, people are in love with other people, but they're married to certain people. It's just like, why can't you just be married to the person you love? Like, oh, my God, this is so stupid. Because but, they don't have political powers. Right? Like, it's it's ugh, it's frustrating, but it's so delicious. Like, I, I eat it up. It's fantastic. I love the show. Um, this is so good. <laughs> it has to be fattening. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> 
Oh god. Um, especially oh my god, they included Diana in this season, and oh my god, the actress playing Diana is doing such a good job. Like oh my god. But anyways, anyhow, if any, if any of you out there are watching The Crown and need to talk to somebody about it, I'm Looking here. Looking at you, Agent Nicole. I'm here. Well, she just started watching it. Like just started watching it, season one. Wiley we, too. We've chatted. We've chatted about it. Well, you guys it. work together. So it's yes. easy. Well, I mean, no, no, not as easy as you think. You work at the same place, but like we don't see each other as often anymore. It's really sad. I miss her face. But anyways, um, but yeah, so it's it's they have this great relationship, and the fact that Coleman is no longer waiting on people, but has somebody doing the same Dimitri. for him. You know, like that's I I love the ending. I love the ending of this. You know, like and they're all friends and they're all living this happily ever after. You know, we don't know if they're living there or if they're just on vacation. I mean, who cares? Who cares at this point? They're in a much better place. Right. They're out of Philadelphia. You know, like they've 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 succeeded. Yeah, because obviously the stock exchange is in New York. I don't know. I think I said they've lived in New York earlier. They live in Philadelphia, but they take the train into New York. Right. Or they get driven to New York. Right. It's like um, a lot of people who work in New York City live in either Philadelphia or... Or, they don't um, live in the city. They, they live travel. In Jersey. Yeah. Right. Right. So uh, New York City is very accessible to people from out of state. But anyways, I I love the ending of this film. It's it's so feel good and so you know they just outdid the just say they outdid the bad guys. They they ousted them. They, they won. Yeah. The good guys won. But they didn't start out as as the good guys. They became the good guys, and I like that. Right? They there weren't any heroes in this. I mean, maybe maybe there, Jamie there, Lee. There weren't heroes. Yes, yes. But there, I mean, there really weren't heroes in this until the end. Right. When both of them have changed. Must crush capitalism. And you know, it shows that um, nature versus nurture is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, environment versus heredity is what they called it. Yes. And, you know, and, and if you ever want to have a chat about that, definitely, you know, come seek me out because I mean, I, it's, know, I know things. I, I believe it's 50 50. Like, there are certain things that are genetic, mm-hmm. and there are certain things that are environmental. Yes. And,. So it, it all depends on the situation that you, you could are be born in. with all the gifts you want, but if you are not able to, like, there's you know all uh, people talk about like how many slaves could have been you know physicists, you know because they were born with the genetic uh, makeup to excel in you know science or technology, but they were not born to the right family that had those opportunities. Right. Right. Yeah. It, 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 so it's it's a little bit of both, I think. But anyways, so what keeps you coming back to this film? It's so funny. Um, I mean, it's not even, you know, maybe 10 years ago, well, maybe longer because now I'm almost 40, Maybe 15 years ago, I would have said, you know, Jamie Lee topless. But, like, 
It's so well acted. It's so funny. Like, Eddie Murphy is so good. This is probably my favorite Eddie Murphy role. And I love Beverly Hills Cop, which we're going to have to cover at some point. Uh, I've never seen any I of them. I know, but we have all three of them on Voodoo. Um, I love Eddie Murphy as an actor. You know, I grew up watching him on SNL. I grew up watching him in, you know, uh, in this, in Beverly Hills Cop, because my dad loves Beverly Hills Cop. Um, there's just something about, you know, his comedic stylings. Like, I loved his stand-up. Like, if you've never seen Raw and you've never seen Delirious, uh, Delirious came out first, then Raw came out after. Whoo! Wow! Yeah. Uh, definitely a product of the early 80s. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, Eddie Murphy's comedy in the 80s is when it, 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 it was... It's very raw. It, 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 hence the, the hence title. Hence the title, yeah. That's um, kind of when he was at his peak. Yeah, and he he lost a little bit of it, but he ended up coming back, and he came back in a big way, and, you know, his career definitely resurrected. Like, he's a really funny guy, and he's also paved the way for some really funny guys. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the guys that you see now that he worked with. I mean, he had great rapports with a lot of people on Saturday Night Live, and he was instrumental in getting a lot of those guys onto uh, bigger and better things. Like getting them careers outside of SNL? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eddie Murphy was always like super funny, and I always loved it. You know, you know, as buckwheat, as Gumby. Um, I'm Gumby. <laughs> Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Oh my god, those are some great sketches. Robinson, you sell my kid a head of lettuce with a dress. <laughs> he was selling Cabbage Patch kits. Mm-hmm. Brings us to another X word: escape. <laughs> um. But yeah, look up some of his older stuff on uh, on YouTube if you're not familiar with him. But yeah, I, I this is a movie that I I could watch anytime. Like you, we watch it at least once a year. At least, and yeah. It's become a staple in it's our house. So good, especially around Thanksgiving, because of the line. It ain't, it ain't cool, cool being, being no, no job turkey. turkey. It's so, so close, close to, Thanksgiving. to Thanksgiving. Like I love that. I would. Yeah. Uh, uh, I say that all the time in November. Even you a little say that after. all the time, period. But it's more relevant in November. What did you name trip. your Build-A-Bear? Uh, karate Turkey. Because he's a turkey. He's a ninja turkey. And he's a karate he's man. He's a karate man. He's a ninja <laughs> He poses on the inside. <laughs> he is a ninja turkey. He has nunchucks. So he's a karate turkey. Jive turkey. He is, he is a jive turkey. And when, when we used to work together... Around this time of year, we would be driving to work, and where we worked, there was always turkeys crossing the road. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them that it ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. And, and I would say, yeah. And they would never listen to me. No, they, they wouldn't. They didn't care. No, no. But uh, I think this is a good place to... Uh, yeah, you're starting to ramble, so let's go. Well, I mean, we've been going an hour and a half on this segment, so it's <laughs> ramble time. So we'll be uh, we'll take a quick break. And, ramble, uh, ramble, ramble, ramble. Yeah, ramble, <laughs> ramble, ramble, and uh, we'll be, we'll be right back. Are you looking to add to your collection of sports memorabilia? Trying to find that Grail item to show off to your friends? Do you like to win? 
then head on over to the Major Sports Drops group on Facebook. From pucks to jerseys, bats to helmets, Major Sports Drops is your place for sports memorabilia items dropped daily. Signed by today's stars as well as Hall of Famers. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Ditka, Barry Sanders, Wade Boggs, Zdeno Chara, Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson, Frank Thomas, and many more autographs have already been pulled. You can get in on the action for as little as $5 per spot. There are multiple drops each day, with special contests also running at various times each month as well. So join the Major Sports Drops Facebook group and get in on the action today. So you had to keep doing the tight surveillance, man. That's why I'm wearing these bummy clothes. You had to make sure a dude had his payroll before I made my move. Tell us how you cut him. Yeah, I ain't cut him with no knife, man. But you told me last night you cut the dude. With these, I cut him. I am a chain belt in Kung Fu. Bruce Lee was my teacher. Watch this. What? technique. You do that, a quarter blood will drop out of a person's body. Tell how you beat on the cop. Wasn't no cop, man. It was cops. Plural. Nine, ten cops. Beat the shit out of ten cops and had to change my whole strategy around. Yo, when they brought you in here and booked you, you was crying like a pussy. Yeah. That's because it's one of the cops fell. He threw tear gas in my face. And that's the kind of shit they use on crowds, man. I still walk in here like a man, so get out of my face, all right? I mean, you, you beating up on a man? You putting a man in a hospital? How come I don't see no marks on you? Yeah. Because I'm a karate man, all right? Karate man bruise on the inside. They don't show their weaknesses. But you don't know that because you're a big Barry White-looking motherfucker. Now get off my back, all right? I wish my bitches hurry up and get here. I ain't got no time to be sitting inside this cell with you. Where is your bitches, Mr. Big Time Pimp? Yeah. Didn't I tell you that the phone in my limousine is busted and I can't get in contact with my bitches? Yeah, the phone in the limo is busted. What are you, ignorant? Hey, look, sit down, all right? It ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. Hey, man. <laughs> you boys don't know what you're doing. I can see that already. Do you know who you're fucking with? Do you know who you're fucking with? Ah, back the fuck up. Back up. You know you fucking with in cell number four on the ninth floor? Billy Ray Valentine? Yes. Move it. You made bail. I did. And we are back. Uh, I hope that if you haven't seen this movie, uh, us talking about it and playing the trailer and the couple of different scenes there... Um, I hope this has made you want to see Just it. Just fucking watch it. If you it's haven't so seen good. it, it's worth your time. It's hilarious. The cast is perfection. It is so good. Just watch it. I mean, yes, it's a little it's a little blue at parts, but it's it's just so good. It's so good. Yeah, you can buy it on Voodoo or one of the other streaming services. You can rent it for two ninety nine. It's definitely worth that. If you have Sling, you can get it on there. Um, it's excellent. Like, just watch it. It's so funny. It's it's it, the humor is definitely uh, a product of the time in which it was made, nineteen eighty three. So 
there's a little bit of racism, there's a little bit of homophobia, but the underlying social uh, commentary that's in it, like I said, this is a movie that could be made right now and still be just as relevant. Um, so, we have some more uh, holiday-ish characters that we're going to be covering in the next couple of weeks uh, leading up to the end of the year. And then uh, the end of the year... Uh, you might be seeing some changes at the beginning of the of, of next year, some some positive stuff uh, that's been long overdue, some stuff we've been working on in the background. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm learning how to do more stuff when it comes to podcast production. We will also be doing our top characters. For the end of the year, yeah. For the end of the year. So keep that in mind and think of your top characters for this year. I know this year has been a little weird. Things have not been released in the it's same been, sense that they would normally Well, I mean, be a lot released. of stuff got kicked out to next year. Like, I was waiting for Godzilla vs. Kong. I've oh, been waiting God, for yes. a lot of these movies that uh, we didn't get to see, a lot of TV shows that we didn't get to see. I mean, WandaVision was supposed to come out in a couple of weeks. Now, that's, that's next year. That's the beginning of next year, yeah. Um, um, you know, some, some movies that have been pushed. Uh, Wonder Woman is the big one that That's coming out on, on Christmas. Was announced, yes. So, it's going to be uh, Christmas HBO Max yep. as well as in theaters if you are up to braving the theaters at this point more power to you I am not so yep. I'll be watching it at home yep. but I'm I'm excited that that is at least getting released I hope they we do were, that with Godzilla we were, we were supposed to see that over the summer and as much as I would love to see that in a big screen on a big screen um you know i'll have to settle for our 50 inch tv yeah i'm i'm fine with that you know we'll you know i i want to pick up a sound bar because walmart has sound bars for like 40 bucks you know and, and that's the thing too you know with black friday coming and all of these deals kind of morphing into something else because you know unable to do the traditional black friday this year it's been going on all month and yeah and and, and into, and next into month. december yeah right you know a lot of places are extending their deals doing different deals kind of doing you know tiered deals and stuff so you know depending on where you purchase things from is you know each each place is doing their own thing Thing, but um, you know, it's it's if if you would like to you know purchase kind of like create your own home theater experience, now easier. is definitely the time mm. to do so because you know I I really don't know when um, it's going to be completely safe to go back into not a until we setting. have a vaccine and not until the vaccine is in wide use. I know use. I got uh, so we are both part of the AMC Stubbs mm-hmm. premiere program whatever the hell it's called and I got an email the A-list. other day yeah the A-list yes I got an email the other day saying that they are extending the uh, like non-payment period yeah into march of next year and it was supposed to be through december of this year so you know it's uh do what you feel is necessary i'm not going to tell you how to live your life but i know how i'm living mine um you know do what you feel is necessary but there are some fantastic deals out there right now if you would like to and do have the funds to create your own home movie setup 
Yeah, it's definitely a, a difficult time when it comes to money and stuff like that. Yeah, I, it's like I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. But you know, if 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 this is something, if maybe you're able, you were, if this is something that you want to do, create a home theater setup. Well, maybe you had money saved up for. You a know, vacation, a trip. Yeah. you know, or, or what have you. The money's but, burning a hole in your bank account. But yeah, so anyways, um, so at least we're going to see some films this year. And we have seen some films this year, and, you know, we've seen uh, streaming services kind of skyrocket. Oh, we've, we've seen a bunch of documentaries come out that we've had folks on the show to talk about their, their films. A lot of independent films have come out this year. And, you know, a lot of stuff that was filmed last year or the previous year, as far as television goes, uh, released this year as well. So, you know, there, there have been some really good characters either making their debut or making a comeback. Or continuing their story. You know, so um, it'll be interesting to see our, yeah. our year-end wrap-up will be a little different this year, but... I think it'll still be good. Oh, I think it's going to be. It's always it's gonna good. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, I do. Like, before before we go too far, I do want to quickly plug a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, House Sitter or The Night They Save Siegfried's Brain. Check that out. Uh, that's really funny. It's a movie that uh, we covered on the Indi- Indie Creator Spotlight show. You guys had a great discussion with those guys. We, uh, yeah. Um, it's a movie that was. Made in 1987, that was supposed to be like a spoof of 50s sci-fi, but it didn't, didn't come it out till like a couple the, of years ago. The, uh, force magic. Yeah, it uh, it sat in storage forever and was pretty much ruined. But Paramount gave it a 4K restoration, and uh, Skywalker Sound restored the sound and made it better because the guy, one of the guys who worked on it was an animator for The Simpsons, so he had connections. um, And he had worked with Skywalker Sound uh, in years past, so they were able to give it... it, And it's so funny. Like, it's so great. Um, Another movie that comes out next week, very, very funny movie. Uh, It doesn't start out that way, but uh, it's called Beast Mode. comes out on uh, December 1st on all the streaming platforms. It's also available on... um, on a, a physical release, uh, it's got C. Thomas Howell and James Duvall, who you would probably know as Frank the Bunny from uh, Donnie Darko, as well as the older brother in um, Independence Day, Randy Quaid's oldest kid. Mm-hmm. So Randy Quaid. Let's not talk about Randy Quaid because he's a fucking lunatic. Um, Both in cinema and in real life. Yeah, like the shit he just posted the other day with the red and green strobe light. I don't even fucking know. Um, But anyways. um, Hollywood, am I right? (laughs) No, he was reading Trump tweets in a weird, creepy voice with a red and green strobe light on his face. Like uh, like he had anything else better to do. uh, I mean, yeah. also, Cheers the, to 2020. The Orange Ears, which is available now. Yes. Wolfman's Got Nards, which is available now. Uh, definitely check those out because they're amazing. 
Speaking of the orange years, so that was our episode last week, and mm-hmm. we promised you a battle last week, but I have been positively bedeviled with meetings, etc. So I forgot to post the battle. So I'm the battle should be posted at this point in the Facebook group, on the Twitters. So definitely look it up. Uh, we want to know what your favorite Nicktune is Mm -hmm. and you know while we're giving thanks today let's give thanks to all of the Nicktoons that are out there who provided us with countless hours of entertainment so so anyways we'll have battle results next week along with a new battle double battle yeah battle results and a new battle so can you handle it I I think not uh, but yeah, we've we've got a lot of stuff lined up. Uh, we've got some great guests that we're uh, we're, we're working trying, on. We're working yeah. on. Um, I still have IMDb Pro, so there's a couple of people that I'm gonna take take some shots at, see if we can get them on, just because. I mean, what the fuck? And in case you didn't know, our guest from a couple of weeks ago, Alyssa Botello, we talked about her directorial debut uh, of Junkie. That is actually available on YouTube right now. Yep, there's links in the uh, group. And also she appeared with Leo and I on Indie Creator Spotlight two weeks ago. And, uh, well, at this point, it was last week. A week and a half-ish, yeah. yes. Um, it seems like 100 years ago. But, um, but she's such a fantastic All the links and stuff are in there. Talent, so definitely support that. Uh, it's, it's, it's 20 minutes long, and it's worth every fucking second. The movie, so, not the interview. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, the, the movie, Junkie, available on YouTube for free. Yep. Again, uh, links in the in Absolutely the worth your time. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, check out Loudest Sports Show to see if uh, Emma was able to pull her 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 baby tooth out live on the show and 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 see if she has another joke this week oh emma's jokes are the best uh yeah emma emma tells amazing jokes and we love her for it um and i think with that being said we We will will. (gasps) see See you you next next thursday. thursday